0: I know many of you have made it. You're going to make it your New Year's resolution to rededicate yourself to running in 2024, just like me. But what shoes are you going to do it in? You need to have a good pair. Go to betterrunningshoes.com for the best shoe reviews on planet earth. We now have tons of shoe partners in there. You can buy directly from them. We get a cut. You get the best shoes. It's a win-win. It's what we call a win-win people. If you're not ready to buy shoes right now, hey, Go there and review the shoe that you love right now, to help other people out. Thank you. Barrier, thought, you say in it. And somehow she's found the acceleration. Own, All right, people. This is a welcome to a special post-Christmas edition of the Let's Run podcast. Jonathan and don't know that I'm doing this. I think if I talk slowly, I mean, so silently, they won't hear it. Actually, it's going to come to their feet, isn't it? Anyways, this is letsrun.com. Co-founder Robert Johnson behind the golden LRC microphone here in Baltimore, Maryland. I'm doing a solo show inspired by a great radio icon who used to do a show all by himself. I'm going to do it today. The most fearless voice in track and field media—that is me, Robert Johnson. On Friday's supporters' club show, I scored the black versus non-black track and field meet. It was a barn burner. It actually came down to the four by four. If you believe that or not, but don't worry, I'm not going to do anything this controversial, John Weldon. Without you on this week's show, we're going to talk about the greatest disappointments for 2024, the biggest surprises, and we're going to spend a lot of time on how great will the Olympic marathon be. On the message board. I've made a bold prediction about how slow the overall time will be. But also, could we see the fastest mile in marathon history? Could we see a sub-four mile in the midst of a marathon? I'll explain why that's—there's a slight possibility that could happen on this show. Anyways, hope everyone had a great Christmas. I do need to apologize to everyone living south and west of Baltimore. As I know, your kids didn't get any gifts from Santa yesterday. And I feel I'm partially responsible because that sled was so full of presents for my son here in Baltimore. I, I don't think anything could have fit on it after that. So if you were supposed to get them after us, I, I'm assuming he kind of goes from East to West and from North to South. So anything South or West of Baltimore, maybe he's going to delay, you know, get it to you today or tomorrow, but we had an amazing Christmas. I think age six is like peak Christmas. So it was a lot of fun, but I'm pumped to, out of the house today, got into the office. I think Weldon and John want to actually do the normal podcast tomorrow, but I was like, I might be busy tomorrow. Let's get my thoughts out today. So I was trying to think like the year's ending, what was really shocking about the year? Like what was the biggest disappointment? What was the biggest surprise? And I didn't know really how to like evaluate that. And this podcast is going to be a little bit American centric. What I decided to do was just, I went to the 2022 USA results and looked at the top three. And then I said, all right, how many of these people made the team in 2023? Like, do most of the people make it? Do hardly any of them make it? What's the ratio? We never really think of it this way. We kind of, are, there's so many events, there's so many people. And I thought the analysis was kind of interesting because, you know, the first event, it was, it was numerical, 800 Bryce Hoppel won USA's in 2022, but Jonah Koech, the runner-up at USA's, he didn't even finish a race all year in 2023. Brandon Miller, the third placer, didn't make the final at USA's. Huh, is that normal? Let's move to the 1500. Cooper Tier, the U.S. champion in 2022, didn't make the final at USA's. Jonathan Davis, runner-up, didn't even finish a race all year. So the runner-up at USA's. In the eight and the fifteen and twenty twenty two, did not finish an outdoor race in twenty twenty three. Josh Thompson, third team member, was eleventh at USA's steeplechase. Hillary Bore didn't run USA's. Evan Jager didn't run USA's. So of the first eight people to make the team in twenty twenty two, only one of them made the team in twenty twenty three. Bernard Keeter did make the steeple team. Let's go to the five thousand. Grant Fisher made it in twenty twenty two, not in twenty twenty three. Woody Kincaid made it in twenty twenty two. In the 5,000, not in, 20, in the 5,000 in 2023. he did make the 10,000. Nur made the team in the 5,000 both years, moving to the 10,000. Klucker made it both years. McGordy made it both years. And then Grant Fisher didn't make it. So if you add that all up, of the 14 men that made the Team USA and the distance events, mid-distance and distance events, 800 through 5,000 in 2022, only five of them, 35.7%, made it in 2023. That was kind of surprising to me. I was like, "That can't be normal," and so I decided to keep doing a little bit of research. What about the women? For the women, the ratio was much higher. Eight hundred. Athene Mo and Raven Rogers repeated in the team. Sinclair Johnson and Corey McGee both made it in the fifteen hundred both years. Although Sinclair got in despite finishing fourth, because Athene Mo declined her spot. Steeple: two out of three made it. Twenty twenty-two and twenty-three. Twenty-three. Emma Cobra and Courtney Wayman, and Elise Craney. And the 5,000, Alicia Monson and Natasha Rogers. So for the women, nine of the 14 women made it both years. That's 64%. Um, And if you look at the race winners, I mean, everything's a bell curve. The race winner is much more likely to repeat in the top three the next year because four of the top five race winners from 2022 were back on the team in 2023. For the men, it was actually only two of the five. But I decided to go, like, all the way to Worlds and see – all right, at the world level, does this ratio hold up? Is it more like the women where it's less than half? Is it more like the I mean, like the women where it's more than half of the people repeat in the top three? Is it more like the men where it's less than half? What's the normal ratio? So for the men, the repeat medalists from 2022 and 2023 were Marco Aropp, Jakob Ingerbrigtsen, Mo Couture, Jakob again in the 5,000, Jacob Krop, in the 5,000, Chapter Guy in the 10,000. Bacali and, and Gurman, the steeplechase. So add that up. There was 14 medalists because Inger Bitson's got a medal in two events. Seven of the 14 repeated both years. So it's 50%. Three of the five gold medalists from 2022 medaled in 2023. What about the women? 800, Athing Mo, Keeley, Hodgson, Mary Moore. The exact same three medaled. 1,500, Faith Kip gun did it both years. 5,000, Um Rudolf Sagai and Beatrice Chibet both medaled in 2022 and 2023. Although Sagai is kind of interesting. She medaled in the 5,000 in 1,500 in 2022, but won the 10,000 in 2023. And then Gade, who won the 10,000 in 2022, medaled in 2023. So for the women, it's the same as the men. Seven out of 14. So 50%. Um, but for the gold medalist, for the women, and I've always said this, the top woman is... Much more of an outlier than the top man, I think. Four out of the five gold medalists, um, repeated. The only one that didn't was Nora Gerudo, who couldn't run because of her drug ban, which has now been overturned. So, kind of interesting, you know, thing to think about. Like, if you're had a good year this year, I always said this when I was coaching: you often take for you think, oh, next year's going to be better. But a lot of things went well for you to to medal this year. Like, are you going to do it next year? Well, it looks like the stats are saying. There's roughly a 50% chance that you're going to do it next year. If you're the winner, your odds are probably a little bit higher than that. But don't take for granted success. And then I wanted to say, like, what was really shocking on the upside? Which, what did we not predict? I mean, and obviously the biggest breakthrough of the year worldwide has to be Jared Goose. 343 in the mile. Is that right, John Kellogg? That's so sick. I mean, th- that seems like a misprint or like a video game. Nobody would have predicted that. I mean, we hadn't seen a 343 mile in, what, 20 years? More than that, says John Kellogg. So Nagoose is obviously the biggest breakthrough of the year. But I went through the USA results, and I wanted to look at, like, okay, which of these team who made the team this year? Where do they finish at USA's last year? should type this up in an article, but typing stuff up in an article takes a lot longer. I'm just going to go down at 800 through five through 10,000. 800, Hopple, Harris, Murphy. They were first, sixth, and fourth the year before. 1,500, you had two guys that made the team this year that didn't even... Wascom didn't run USAs in 2022. Hawker didn't make the final. He was in, went out in the heats. Actually, I don't need to go through these event by event, but most of the people, the vast majority of these people, men and women, we're all in the finals of USA. So if you're, if you're hoping to make the Olympic team in 2024 for Team USA, you really need to have been in the final this year because there was only three runners that made the team um, in 2023 that were not in the final in 2022 um, that competed in 2022. And those were Cole Hawker, who was already an Olympian. He went out in the heats in 2022 and made it this year. Nia Aikens. Who won USA's this year after finishing in the semifinals in 2022? And then Chrissy Gear in the Steeplechase, who won USA's this year after going out in the heats in 2022. And she went out in the heats of the 1500. And we got Nagus as the big breakthrough for the men on the USA side. For the women, Gear is the only woman that really, I mean, she jumps out as me as the biggest winner, her biggest shock improver. Of 2023. In 2022, she only ran 10 flat in the steeplechase. She ran 10.03 at SEC championships. She went from being fourth in the SECs in the steeplechase. Her PB was 938, but she only had a 10 flat seasonal best. To winning USAs and running 912. That, no one predicted that. She didn't predict that. Her coaches didn't predict that. By the way, a shout out to the assistant coach at Hoka. Who seemed to do a really good job when Alan Culpepper was gone. I forgot her name, but... Surprised she didn't get the head job for the great work she did with Chrissy. If anyone was going to make a a, a breakthrough this year, I would have thought maybe it was going to be Courtney Wayman in the steeplechase. But no, it was gear. And she was fantastic. The other big breakthrough performer on on the women's side has to be Addie Wiley. She just turned 20 in October. So all of her running this year was when she was 19. She produced a 157-800. 359-1500. Fourth at USA's eighth in the Diamond League final, I think. Or was that just, that was, I'm not sure if that was the final. I think it was the end of the year, a fantastic year. And and some people may be surprised that I'm praising her. There's some small contingent of people on the message board that think that I'm not a fan or whatever. It's just the whole story, the fact that she's associated with Huntington University, where there's been a big sex scandal and allegations of PED use by uh, distribution by head coach Nick Johnson, who's married to Lauren, still married to Lauren Johnson, who was pacing Addie in all of her high school record attempts. Many believe she's still coaching Addie now. And it's just, it makes him uncomfortable to talk about. And one of the things that's, you know, when I've talked to people close to this case is, for the record, a couple of things need to be made clear. Nick Johnson, there's police affidavits where his wife says he had a prescription for EPO. We also know that he had, like Alberto Salazar, a prescription for testosterone. That's a fact. But also, these women and some of these women that claim they were sexually assaulted or slept with Nick Johnson, they think they were injected with PEDs. Um, I've talked to the lawyer involved with the case. He thinks that some of these women are now infertile because they took so much testosterone. So those are the allegations, and they're disturbing. But it also needs to be said that none of these women, they've all said they've never seen Addie Wiley. Do any of this. There's never been an allegation by any of these women who are involved in the lawsuit and in the criminal case against Nick that Addie did any of that. So that needs to be made clear. But it's just troubling for me as a fan of the sport and a journalist in the sport that two of the great teen phenoms, two of the great people that we watched in high school, were amazed by in high school, and it looks like they might go on to go have great pro careers, have these coaches that were trafficking or walking around with banned substances or at least prescriptions for them at all times. Like, what are the odds that Galen Rupp and Addie Wiley, like, it just seems odd. Like, how many people on on planet Earth have these drugs with them and then just happens to be that these people, their prodigies, end up being the greatest runners of their generation? It's hard to think that's just a coincidence. It could be. By the way, Nick does have ties to the Oregon Project. Um, my understanding: someone told me that he used to his j- sort of job at, for Salazar was to go out to the Nike track and try to time what the Jerry Schumachers guys were doing. Alberto wanted to know what they were doing, so Nick would secretly try to time them. I don't, I haven't confirmed that with more than one source, but I heard that from somebody. And then he, he, he Nick, went from there to the Oregon Track Club, etc. But it's just, it is troubling to me because it just seems like. Wow, that's quite a coincidence. Now, it could be, but it tarnishes your name to be associated with that. Now, for the most part, I, I think fans, we just forget about it. Mo Farah had ties to Salazar. He's celebrated as a knight in the UK. Safana Sana ties to Salazar. She's celebrated as one of the greatest women's distance runners of all time. Galen Rupp, too. So if they did get something, the question I would have, is, is there a lasting impact to that? And if the stuff doesn't help, then why do the coaches have it? It's just a little bit depressing. But congrats to her. She had an amazing year. My advice to her would be to move far away, get a new coach, and you'll get paid. In terms of other surprises for the U.S. men, all right, I, I forgot this one guy. Kenneth Rooks in the men's steeple. He was 10th the year before, so he was in the final. But to win the steeplechase while falling... That was a big surprise. And while we're talking about the steeple, I, I do think we need to give some praise to Lometa Germa of Ethiopia. I mean, I feel bad for the guy. Like He may just be known as Mr. Silver. What does he have, four global silvers? What else can he do? He runs a world record of 752 in the steeple this year. He gets himself in 6'6 shape. 329. He's the national record holder for Ethiopia in that event. By the way, that shows that running a fast 1500, and kicking are not the same thing because he would probably beat Al Bicali in a straight 1,500 time trial. But Al Bicali, you know, kicks him every time. Another silver this year. But I do think Gurma's rise in the 1,500 and Nagus, and who's of Ethiopian descent, his parents are from Ethiopia. I, I think it shows they've got a lot of talent in the event and they just don't know how to coach it over there. Or, you know, or maybe it's hard to do at that high of altitude. It just doesn't make any sense to me that, the, that the, they haven't had a lot of success in the 1,500. Yet, look how good – well, Dababa had the women's world record for a while there. <laughs> On the women's side, Hassan was very good. But a, a lot of the people are, you know, I, I guess Hassan and Nagus, like two of the best 1,500-meter runners with recent ties to Ethiopia, were trained in the West. So I think, to me, that has to be a coaching issue. Looking at the world scene, I wanted to think, okay, what really shocked us? Who was – a really shocking gold, you know, medalist, and and there weren't really that many. I mean, Marco Arop, Emmanuel Wanwony, Ben Patterson. Okay, no one expected Ben Patterson to get a medal. To me, Emmanuel 1-1 of Kenya in 800. I mean, is a huge breakout star in 2023. He was already really good in 2022, uh, 144.01 in 2022, fourth at Worlds. mean, the 2021 World Junior champion. So it wasn't like he's a talent, but he's only 19, and there's a lot of People that you think are going to be stars that don't end up being stars. This year looks like he's going to be a star. World Championship silver with wins at the Rabat, Paris, Canyon Trials, Zeman Diamond League, Pre Classic Diamond League final. I mean, he had one bad race all year, the Monaco, um, eight hundred where he was eighth. Runs one forty two eighty, world leader. I mean, the, the the duels that he was having with Marco Arop at the end of the year were were sick. So. Congrats to him fifteen uh, you know, but moving up at the events I mean no nobody had nor Nordas running three twenty nine that's crazy. This is a guy that had like a three thousand dollar contract now he's getting a bronze medal in the fifteen hundred He was obviously a, a big breakout performer, but these other medalists in the five and the ten Ingbreson Kattier crop chapter guy bannyoga not nothing surprising there at all for the women again you know it. I, not, not not a single one of these medalists was a surprise to me, really. Like, Murat, Hutchinson, Mew, Kipyegan, Walteji Hassan, Kipyegan, Hassan, Chibet, Segei, Gedei, Taye, Yavi, Chip Kovac, I mean, that's just big name after big name. But again, on the women's side, it's like the big talent are, are super, super talented. There was one other guy I forgot about in terms of breakout performers, Simon Kowich of Kenya in the men's steeplechase. Wasn't amazing. He actually was quite poor at, this, at the finals at Worlds, 7th. But this guy had an 18 PB coming into the year. Admittedly, that was at L2. But then he wins a string of races in Kenya, including the World Championship Trials, where he destroyed everybody. Goes to Monaco, runs 8.04. Wins the Diamond League final. So I'm not sure what happened at, at, at Worlds, but at only 20 years of age, that steeple in 2024 could be amazing. Throw him into the mix with Gurma and El Bakali. And you've got quite a barn burner. And in terms of disappointments, I mean, Weldon's a huge fan of Evan Jager. How, how, how How is that not? It was very disappointing. Hillary Borb was running great, then he got hurt. Evan Jager was hurt all year, yet again. But Jager did pretty good at Worlds in 2022. Is it crazy to think that he could medal in 2024? Not totally crazy. I think it's a pipe dream at this point. But God, I'd love to see just like a Joe Flacco performance by him. Just magic in a bottle for a few weeks. Break nine, make Weldon's year, life happy. Get that medal. I, I, To be honest, I'd much rather see the sub-8, sub, sub uh, eight, eight. excuse me, than the medal. He's already got the medals. Let's get the sub-8 out of the way. Oh, my God. I almost forgot my biggest disappointment of the year, USA-wise. I, I, I texted my buddy, the guy that realized in high school, he said, Grant Fisher's not even the best high schooler in Michigan this year. It's a guy named Donovan Brazier. I texted him late last night. I said, by the way, the Ravens were the 49ers i don't want to talk football though because it will jinx them anyways i said who was the biggest disappointment for the u.s this year he texted back cole hawker which was just a terrible take i mean cole hawker ran 330 and was like seventh the world's no then he finally came up with cooper tier which is what i agree with like if you asked me who was going to make the big breakthrough coming into the year i probably would have said cooper tier he would have been one of my leading candidates. Like when I'm looking for the breakthrough, I'm looking for people who are either training a lot more than before, who are going to altitude for a lot for the first time. Now he spent some time in altitude, but not significant training blocks during the college during his season. I don't think. So I thought he might make a big jump. Now it takes some people a year or two to adjust to the Jerry system, but totally disappointing. Reigning U.S. champion, who actually PR'd in the 1500 this year. He ran 3:32. Doesn't even make the finals at USA's. Now, the 332 PR wasn't really that much of a PB because if you convert it to the mile, it's like a 349.8. And he'd run like 350 point something indoors. But 1312 in the 5000, which he ran. In, well, he went to the Diamond League after USA's and just got in over his head. You know, I thought if he salvaged it and broke 13 there, at least he'd have a pretty good year. But you don't get that many chances. And when you blow your two biggest ones, meaning USA's and then the, the diamond league that he ran the 5,000 in, you know, I can see why he wanted to go back to what he was comfortable with and Ben Thomas. But when I think about tier, the more I think about it, he's a poor man's Yaka being Britson. Like he's just a very poor man's version of it. Like he's not naturally very fast and his endurance is not good enough for him to get away with that in the 1500. Um, like this is a guy that was like 107. Remember when he was, you know, next to I don't know, walking on the cross country course, in his final race in an Oregon singlet. So I don't know. Like to me, like when I think of Craig Ingalls, he's just not as good as these guys that are beating him for the Olympic team. It's the same thing with Cooper Tier. Like, he, he, could he sneak on an Olympic team? Yes, but do I think he's beating a Hawker, a healthy Hawker, or a goose? Hell no. And Hobbs Kessler seems like a much more prodigious, prodigious of a talent. And obviously these people that were injured, I mean, Carissa Schweizer won the 10 and the second and the five last year. Only fifth at USA's this year. Jager, etc. So those were some of my thoughts about the disappointments, flops, surprises of the year. I want to turn to another topic. I started a thread about this on the message board on Christmas Day. Nothing can keep me off the message board. Get tired of the family. You got to go have some, fun on the message board if you're not going to the message board every day you're missing some great threads non-running related there's an amazing thread i was laughing so hard saying my wife takes 45 minutes to say goodbye at holiday parties and it's a thread where guys are mainly complaining about their wives and how like 12 hours before a vacation they'll say hey don't you want to pack ahead of time and they'll be like no and then they'll pack last minute and they'll be late or they'll be at a party and the wife says it's time to leave but the wife will take 45 minutes to leave and it frustrates the guy I love this thread. If you're married, everyone will love it. Uh, to me, our my marriage isn't like this male-female classic thing. I'm always the one taking forever to say goodbye. And it drives my wife a little bit in the bonkers. Packing for trips was an interesting thing on there. Someone's like, if you know it takes George to pack, why do you wait till 45 minutes before you leave to start packing? It's a simple math problem. And then, you know, do I look good in this? Do I look good in this? I get the do I look good a lot. But... I'm the one that always stays up late the night before and is always late and rushing to the airport. So it doesn't have to be a sexist thread. View it it's 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 a funny thread if you're married. I'll link to it in the show notes. But anyways, the thread that I started was entitled Dumbest Article Ever. Reddit Rooters. Will a two-hour marathon finally be broken in Paris? So there's a thread, end of year type article. You know, Reuters puts out, we'll shoot tech advance to see the first official sub two marathon at the Paris Olympics. And I get it. I know that these articles are 2024 is Olympics. We're getting close to sub two. It's for the general public. But it just infuriates me because it shows a lack of knowledge. I guess they're trying to get non-running interest of people into running. But it's just like, of course, there's not going to be a sub two at the Paris Olympics. So I started this right. I said, I'm not even going to put this article up on the homepage. I said, for the following three reasons. One, there's going to be no rabbits. Add at least a minute to the time to this. Like John Kellogg thinks being behind the rabbit is worth 45 seconds a mile while you have the rabbit out there. And that's assuming you also, you got to start the pace fat hot. If you're just slowing down, it's going to cost you more time because you're not running fast. Now, you can make up some of that because you're not tired. But, I mean, I think a minute's being generous. Warm weather. It's not normally super hot in Paris, but it's a lot hotter than world record pace. I said, add at least a minute time due to this. And then this is what we're going to spend a lot of time on the course. It goes up 438 meters. It goes down 436 meters. That's over 1,430 feet of elevation up and down. The New York City Marathon, for comparison, only has about 800 meters up and down. So I said, add at least a minute to this. And that was me being lazy. That was before I got into the office today and had John Kellogg analyze this course to great detail. But an easy way to think of this is the Olympic record is 206.32 by Samuel Wanjiru from 2008. Such an impressive race. To me, it took the marathon to the modern era. John Kellogg has never written an article in the history of Let's Run, but he started typing when that race finished because he was just blown away by it. This guy showed no fear in the heat and just time-trialed it. And that's what we have now. No one's, no one's scared of the marathon. No one's scared to run fast. But 206.32, that's pretty super shoes. Let's take away two and a half minutes. You're at 204 flat. I think anyone breaking 204 flat in, in in the Olympics this year would be an incredible feat. I don't think it's going to happen. It might even be over 205. So let's talk about why. This course, John's been talking about, you know, Kip Choge. And if he wins this, he, he can kill two birds with one stone. He can prove he can win a, a hilly race. And he can get the third straight Olympic title. Which only, Usain Bolt is the only man to win three track events three times. I in the same track event three times. But I was like, ah, oh, you know... Is this course really that hilly? It seems like it's just one gradual hill. I was wrong on that. I've looked at it. I found a more detailed elevation map from some Paris magazine. This baby goes up and down and a lot of micro hills. I mean, the first 15K is is relatively flat, but there's a little, a lot of tiny ups and downs. It's not like you're running on, on the beach, you know, sea level. It's not like you're running in Chicago. This is tiny up, tiny down, tiny up, tiny up, tiny down. But you get to 15K and then you go way up. You go up like... Almost 150 meters, probably, like over 400 feet. And it's got some downs in it. You you go up and then down, but, you know, over 400 feet. And then you go down and then you go back up again, close to 30K. And then over the span of about two miles, you're going to drop another 400 feet. What K is that in the race, John? Yeah, between 28 and like 31K. So this thing, you know, we always say New York City, just the hills are worth about a minute and a half. That's 800 feet. This is 1,400 feet. This is like 60% more hilly. So, I mean, it's got to be at least two minutes slower because of the hills, I would think. But what's crazy is the downhill between 18 and 21K, I mean, 400 feet and two miles is a lot. And generally, John Kellogg's formula is about one point, every every 10 feet you're going down an elevation, it's about 1.8 seconds of eight. Well, do the math. If you're doing 200 feet a mile that's like 35, 36 seconds. So I had this thing in my mind. Oh my God. I mean, the world record per mile is uh, my human calculator, John Kellogg in the background was saying it's 436 something. It's not John really wrong. It's 435.9 per mile, two two hours, 35 seconds for the marathon. How crazy is that? So I thought if someone was really throwing down to break free, could they break four in the mile? Now, John thinks that their quads are going to be, you know, they're going to be tired from going up the hill and down a lot in the hills. So they're probably not going to want to rip out a sub four. But I think I'm going to be shocked if we don't see a sub 420 in one of those miles. Sub 410, if they get going after a mile, they get their legs under them. It's going to be wild. And then going up, it's going to be fun. Like whoever they've got to do the mile by mile splits, like we could have a 530 mile, right? It's going to be so cool. Up and down, you're gonna see Versailles. It's gonna be spectacularly beautiful. Let's just hope there's not some goddamn terrorist attack. And it's just gonna be—we're not gonna know what to expect. Like John, looking at that thing. When do you think people are gonna make their move? Are they gonna wait till the hills are over? Yeah, I would think maybe near the bottom of it be the first place I see anybody. I don't know if you guys can hear John in the background. He thinks he's gonna make a move on the big uphill it would be stupid think it's maybe the bottom of the downhill. My thought also could be, when I mean, you go right back up before 21K, there's a big hill. There's two big hills. Maybe the second set of hills, the final set of hills, is when you would try to go. But you often see that sort of in Boston. Some people go early, and then they get caught. You know, I don't think it's going well, it, to... Who knows what kept him, What what's going to happen. It's just going to be, though. It's a wild card. We don't know what to expect. We're going to have some all-time greats. So let's hope these damn countries pick the right teams. This is, you know, my model for Eth- Kenya and Ethiopia, which aren't, well, the USA isn't necessarily the smartest, about if we had people selecting the team, I'm sure we'd screw it up too. But for track events, the Robert Johnson rule for picking the team is put your trials in the last possible day, hold the trials, and then pick the top three from the trials. Now, if somebody falls, it might be a problem, but just let them be fitness. Don't Don't, don't try to read into things, whatever. Now, you can't do that with a marathon, obviously. So... At this point, I'm fine just for, like, history's sake. No matter what Kipchoge does in Tokyo, please put him on it, even if he's not in shape. Kipped him. It's going to be unreal. All right, people. I loved it. Doing the show basically by myself, but with my human computer on the other side of the office has been a lot of fun. If we do the regular podcast tomorrow, I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about. I think 30 minutes solo is about right. I was thinking one thing that popped in my head was when it's all said and done, who are we going to think was like, had a better career? Faith Kip Yegon or Safan Hassan? Kip has got more golds, more world records, right? But Hassan, she's like a cheat code. Of course, Kip Yegan's a cheat code in the 1500, as well. All right, enjoy the end of the year, everybody. Don't forget to get your shoes. BetterRunningShoes.com. You can also go to slash shoes. Takes you to the same place. Oh, and you don't want your in laws knowing what website you're on. You need the VPN we use at letsrun.com. Go to letsrun.com slash VPN. Anonymize your web traffic. I don't know enough about VPNs. I was wondering if somebody at work got a VPN. Would your company then know that you're on the VPN, or could you surf Let's Run all day and get away with it? If you're a technology expert, email me, robert at letsrun.com. Robert at letsrun.com. We'd also love to hear from you. Shoot us a voicemail. We play your voicemail. We'll send you a free shirt. 844 four, let's run Eight four four five three eight seven seven eight six. If you want a shirt, the softest shirts in the business. Seriously, people who don't even run love these shirts. They sleep in them. They never take them off. Go to shop.letsrun.com today. Safe travels. Bye-bye.